0: Here's a story from the world.
1: Dubai in the United Arab Emirates has a well-earned reputation for ostentatious wealth and rising global influence. But the ruling family in Dubai also has a problem. For years, its ruler has been accused of abusing women. My name is Latif al-Maktoum. I was born on December 5, 1985. And that includes women in his own family. My father is the prime minister of UAE and... uh, the ruler of Dubai, Mohammed bin Rashid Said al-Maktoum. Princess Latifa is one of the Sheikh's daughters, and she's attracted attention worldwide after accusing her father of abuse, torture, and imprisonment. Investigative journalist Heidi Blake has chronicled Princess Latifa's ordeal and that of her sister Shamsa through years of messages and secret recordings that describe her attempts to escape from her father. Blake spoke with me recently about her reporting.
0: Well, Sheikh Mohammed is the absolute ruler of Dubai, and he's also the Prime Minister of the United Arab Emirates. And he's a, an autocratic ruler. So he commands absolute power over his people. And I think One of the things that fascinated me about this was at the same time Sheikh Mohammed has been at pains to present himself on the world stage as a champion of women's rights in the Middle East. So he's on the one hand kind of crushing his own daughters and other women in the family and then on the other hand talking about removing all the hurdles women face and championing women and their economic advancement in the UAE.
1: Now Latifa spends years preparing for her escape. She takes martial arts classes, she learns to scuba dive, and she befriends people who are not from the UAE, who she thinks can help her. Describe this period of her life and the key people who start helping her with her plan.
0: Yeah, It's it's kind of unbelievable that Latifa planned for so long this second escape attempt. She tried to run away the first time when she was 16 and she'd been captured and returned to Dubai and thrown in prison for three and a half years where she was held in solitary confinement in the most appalling conditions and, and tortured by her father's guards. So she tries to escape when she's 16, is caught and she's placed in solitary confinement Confinement with no contact with people that's right yeah she was she was held in a prison in the desert in a cell all by herself and she wrote very extensively about how she was held often for days in the dark she was made to sleep on a filthy blood-stained mattress and guards would burst in routinely and beat her they used to cane the bottoms of her feet so badly that all the bones were shattered and she talked about how they told her that her father had given them orders to beat her to death and so after all this, she then is released and then
1: she still had the kind of mental well-being and physical strength to plot a second attempt.
0: Yeah, Latifa's kind of indomitable spirit is something that I found just flabbergasting in all of this. So she she wrote a lot to friends as she was contemplating the second escape. That She was really agonizing over whether to try to do it again because on the one hand, she kind of blamed her sister Shamsa and mistakes that she'd made during her own escape attempt for all the trouble that Latifah had faced since, for the fact that Latifah had felt obligated to run away herself to try to get help for Shamza for the fact that Latifa had then suffered years of imprisonment. But after Latifa was released, a few years later, Shamza herself had come out of prison and Latifa was so devastated by how hollowed out Shamza had been by her, her ordeal that she just couldn't bear to see Shamza like that. She said that she was a zombie and a shell of her former self and she kind of realised that nobody else was going to help them and that she, Latifah, was going to have to try to get away.
1: So then in her 30s, Latifah wants to make a second attempt to escape. She prepares for years. She takes martial arts classes. She learns to scuba dive. She befriends people who she thinks can help her. Describe this period of her life and the key people who started
0: helping her with her plan. So the the principal person who helped her was this amazing woman called Tina Jauchainen, who is a Finnish martial arts instructor and was first contacted by Latifa in 2010 when Latifa asked her to come to the palace and give her capoeira lessons. And she got just kind of sucked in backwards into this extraordinary saga where she found that this woman that she had been asked to teach was in fact a member of the royal family. And then as they grew closer over the years that they trained together, Latifa began to confide in her about what had happened to Shamza about her own imprisonment years before and ultimately confided in Tina that she was planning to try to escape again. And when Latifah told Tina all of that, Tina's first instinct was to say, I'm going to go with you. Hmm. And then the the second person was possibly a a less advisable choice. It was this man, Hervé Jaubert, who was a former French naval captain and yachtsman who had himself escaped embezzlement charges in Dubai years earlier and written a book about it. And he'd escaped by taking a dinghy to a boat waiting in international waters. And so Latifa contacted him to see if he could help her try to pull off the same thing. And that's what they started planning. And so concurrently, Latifa was corresponding with Hervé, planning that he would bring a yacht, to an area off the coast of Iman and that she would find a way to get there. And so she enlisted Tina to help her get out of Dubai over the border into Oman, and then out to the yacht. And then the plan was for Irve to sail them to the US where Latifa was going to claim asylum.
1: So after all this planning, at one point before her escape, Latifa records a video message in her friend Tina's apartment.
0: And if you are watching this video, it's not such a good thing. Either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation.
1: So, Heidi, she did this video in order to have this sort of documented what she was about to do. And her friends, they drive her out of the country to Oman, hidden in a car trunk. They take her to a boat waiting offshore. She's on the verge of succeeding. And then what goes wrong?
0: Well, once this group of runaways have been at sea for about a week, things start to go awry. So first of all, the captain, Erbe, announces that he's running out of fuel. By now, they're about 30 miles off the coast of India. But he then notices that they seem to be being tailed by another boat and that there are coast guard spotter planes circling overhead. And before long, Latifa and Tina go down to their cabin and then they hear gunshots, boots overhead. The room starts filling up with smoke and they stumble out and... And find that the boat has been boarded by armed commandos who are all wielding machine guns and they are dragged up on deck. And then Latifa is identified by these men and is dragged overboard screaming, shoot me now, don't take me back.
1: Now, this all took place in international waters. And I understand India was enlisted by the Sheikh to take care of this. How was that allowed to happen?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really extraordinary. And one of the kind of most uh, astonishing things about this whole story for me is the extent to which Sheikh Mohammed is able to leverage his diplomatic relationships with foreign leaders, whether in India or whether in the UK, to just get away with the most extraordinary crimes. Sheikh Mohammed, having managed to use his intelligence agencies to intercept Latifah's communications from on board the boat, then puts in a call to his friend, Narendra Modi, Prime Minister of India, and they strike a deal by which the UAE will give up an arm dealer who India want. In exchange, India will send armed commandos and drag Latifa away and turn her over to Emirati special forces. And that was the deal that sealed Latifa's fate.
1: Now, another person who enters this drama, once Latifa is captured, brought back to UAE, isolated, then Mary Robinson, of all people, former president of Ireland and former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. How did she get involved in this?
0: About a year after the um, attack on the boat, Latifa's friends have heard absolutely nothing from her. They don't know what on earth happened to her after she was dragged overboard. And then all of a sudden, these photographs emerge. They're released by the UAE, which show Latifa apparently having lunch with Mary Robinson. And afterwards, Mary Robinson gives a bunch of interviews in which she says that she has established through this lunch that Latifa is a troubled young woman with a mental illness and that she's safe in the loving care of her family, that she regrets the video that she made and everything that she said, that she was effectively kidnapped by extortionists and that she was rescued by her family and she's now being cared for at home.
1: But later on, Mary Robinson kind of has to eat crow. She realizes that, you know, she was had.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. So eventually when Latifa manages to smuggle out of prison uh, where she's being held, videos in which she reveals that she's being kidnapped against her will by her father's men, Mary Robinson had to come out and say that she was horribly tricked by the royal family. It's now 2024.
1: What do we know about where Latifa is now and what her life is like?
0: The real tragedy of this is, you know, that you can see thousands of messages sent by Latifa to supporters from inside prison after they managed to smuggle in a mobile phone and audio messages she recorded and video logs you can see her spirit just begin to crumble away. And she'd you know, she spent decades planning this and she'd said again and again that she would never surrender. And yet over the course of these years she spends in prison, she talks about how she feels she's just dying a very slow death by suffocation. She's not even being allowed to open the window. She can't remember what sunlight or fresh air is like. She just begins to lose the will to go on and she starts to contemplate doing some sort of a deal with her father. And then very suddenly, Latifa suddenly disappears she loses contact altogether with her supporters and they can't get any word from her whatsoever for months and months. And then all we know of her since then is that all of a sudden, after the UN began making demands on the UAE to provide proof of life, a series of what appeared to be very carefully stage managed photographs began to appear on social media. And statements are released in her name saying that she's now free and that she she wants to just live a private life and she's very happy in Dubai and living there of her own volition. But she's never said anything for herself. And she's also never reached out in any way to Tina or to any of the other supporters who worked to campaign for her freedom for so many years. And so they find themselves in a real quandary, because on the one hand, there are these statements coming out apparently from Latifa saying she's fine. And on the other hand, their standing instruction from her was, you know, if you don't hear it from me, assume it's a lie, assume I'm still I'm still waiting for you to come and save me. And that's kind of where things are. It's, it's a mystery. Is there any ongoing pressure on the sheikh? Well, that's really dissipated. You know, I mean, again, such a frustrating facet of this is the extent to which the international community has been willing to kind of look away really, you know, at the flimsiest sort of reassurance from Sheikh Mohammed. You know, he is back to the kind of stature he enjoyed as a major ally of Western governments. And yeah, no no, more, no further questions.
1: I still feel like I have to ask kind of who is the most reliable narrator in this saga? In the end, who can we really believe?
0: I think that Latifah is is really was an extraordinary kind of documentarian of her own life and she left behind such an amazing paper trail and audio and video trail of, of what had happened to her but also you know her story is just one of several there are there are four royal women in Dubai who I wrote about and who you know our podcast talks about who stake their lives on escaping Dubai and escaping Sheikh Mohammed and in one case one of those women Princess Haya was his youngest wife she managed to get away to the UK and bring a court action against Sheikh Mohammed. And ultimately, the High Court ruled that Sheikh Mohammed had indeed abducted and imprisoned both Latifa and Shamsa and subjected Haya, his youngest wife, to a campaign of terror and intimidation and abuse. And so these are matters that have been adjudicated in court and findings have been made. And yet Sheikh Mohammed has sort of diplomatically anyway, been able to brush these things off so easily.
1: Heidi Blake is an investigative reporter with The New Yorker magazine. The story she reported on Princess Latifah and other women from the royal family in Dubai is told in a four-part podcast series called Runaway Princesses.